Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. Recently, there was a Hillsong songwriter who came out as losing his Christian faith, and we're going to have a conversation about that. So, welcome to the program. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and we have others with me. Um, one is here in the studio, in the flesh. Yep, I'm Pastor Anthony Alegria. But, importantly, and we don't always have this happen on our midweek program, but we have two guests with us on Skype. So if they would come in and say hello. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. And I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And of course the, I hate to call you all the Trinity gang, um, but the Trinity crew of clergy over there is joining us via Skype and we're grateful for that and we appreciate the technology making this happen. So again, today we are going to be talking about this songwriter. And let me give us a little bit of history before we get to really where we're going. So recently a songwriter, Marty Sampson is his name, for the Christian band Hillsong came out saying that he was losing his faith. So there's some serious questions that we have for this. I know a lot of people have been influenced by Hillsong. Some reasonable questions we might have is why has this happened? What has led up to this? What can we learn from this as Christians? Now, of course, we're not here to rule judgment on individuals. That's not really within our purview or power, but we are going to have a serious conversation about this. And for those watching, ask that you please bear with us. The tempter wants us to get mad at one another. Our carnal natures want us to get mad at one another. The tradition of Cain wants us to be mad at one another. So bear with us through this podcast. And the temptation to get mad over things like music in the church is so great, but we've got to get past it. I want us to all be mature Christians who can get past this and have commonality in the church that is based around something of firm foundation. So as we go through this, we must realize that the church is called to be set apart as an instrument of God. And whenever we see somebody like a celebrity who is of Christian faith lose their faith, a lot of times people get crushed by this. Um, and especially with this scenario, this comes not long after another Christian celebrity, if you could call them that, he's a pastor or was a pastor. There was the Christian writer Joshua Harris who came out as leaving his wife. He was leaving the Christian faith, leaving his role. And he had wrote books about Christian dating and purity. I know they were used in a lot of Christian um, homeschool curriculum, and he was very influential. And when that happened, there was kind of some shockwaves sent throughout the Christian uh, culture. But now we've got this, this guy who was a songwriter for Hillsong. He's, he's come out saying he's leaving his faith. And one of the things that I want us to talk about today is that the church needs something other than popular Christian culture giving us unity in the Christian world. And this is especially true in the Protestant world. Um, I always am blessed. You go to some of the high church traditions, um, whether it be the the elements you might find in the, the Catholic church or any of the high churches, you find beautiful architecture. Their culture is a little different. But in the Protestant world, we come and we find that the style, the tone, the attitude of Christian culture is all centered around stuff like Hillsong. Again, you go watch a Christian movie, it's going to have music like this in it. Even if you go to a Nazarene uh, district assembly and they have a seminar on worship, it's going to be this style of, of worship. And it's going to be worship music with this style of stuff being put up there, being the, the model to sort of follow. This is dominant all across Protestant Christian culture. And we need something other than this style, this tone, this attitude, giving a visual to the art and the aesthetic of the Christian world. And we need something different than just pop Christian culture giving us unity. Um, Something like the gospel. It's kind of in the name of the church that we need that. But let's get back to this particular songwriter. Because again, I'm not here to beat up on, on anyone. I'm just hoping that we can move to a good place. So in this recent case of a man losing his faith, 
there are some statements that he made that I want us to address. And Anthony's going to read with us these statements. And before we get too far into it, Anthony, will you just read the opening statement? Time for some real talk. All right. I'll let Amanda and I'll just let Amanda respond to this first. I know when we were doing show prep, there were some thoughts on this as a opening for theology. <laughs> I, I don't really know what to respond to. I mean, this sounds like it comes more out of a, um, I don't know, some kind of like puff piece about yeah. style than it does. But I, I mean, I guess he's just trying to maybe say, let's be authentic and let's be vulnerable with one another. Um, it just, and there is a place and a time for that. This just, it seems rather, again, puff or pop culture-y more than, than authentic. And, and that's really one of the things, though. A lot of times in the church, we have found a culture come in that really does say this is how theological statements open up. Um, time for some real talk. Uh, anyways, Anthony, continue on with this reading. I'm genuinely losing my faith, and it doesn't bother me. Like, what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now, so at peace with the world that's crazy. All right, so this is the songwriter, Marty Sampson, the statement he put out on Instagram, I was, I believe it was. And then he went and added a little bit more to this, and this is him proclaiming that he's losing his faith. Anthony, would you continue on? This is a soapbox moment here, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be love, yet send four billion people to a place, all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people. But it's not for me. I am not in anymore. I want genuine truth, not the I just believe it kind of truth. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of God. Got so much to say, but for me, I'm keeping it real. Unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. Alrighty, so just in response to his comments, I want to give a little quick rebuttal to some of this. And if anybody in our audience wants to give a more pointed rebuttal to any particular statement in that, please let us know and we'd be glad to. But just a quick overview of this. I want to say this. One's faith is not dependent on the behavior of others. We hear people come out and say, well, everybody's a hypocrite in the church, therefore I don't want to be a Christian. You know, that's kind of an excuse of saying the way other people organize their lives is dependent on the truth of, of Christianity. It's, you know, it's a crutch, it's an excuse, it's not that good of a thing to say. And also, we also find in the church a lot of people they want, they're so desperate for the approval of celebrities, you know. Justin Bieber does something Christian. Um, perhaps even someone like Chris Mack comes out advocating for the gospel. We see someone like Katy Perry with the Jesus tattoo, and everybody's like, yeah, we've got a celebrity on our side. And then a celebrity does something that is not Christian, and it kind of is like the world falls on people, and they're, it falls flat, and they feel embarrassed. What do you all think, just I'll throw this to Amanda and Mike, about how people they are really craving in the church for affirmation from celebrities and things of that nature. Well, I think this is something we've seen since really the beginning of the people of God. Um, I mean, you see where 
um, even in the early times after the people of God come out of Egypt, and once they lose sight of Moses, they immediately start craving for something else, and they're asking Aaron to build this this idol because they need something that they can see and they can touch, they can control, um, they can know, they can predict. And, and God is unpredictable, and, and to a certain extent, God is unknowable. And and so we we see this, and it continues today, and a little bit more exaggerated, I think, today because we have things like social media and different kind of uh, avenues to get to know these people or think we know these people and they're a little bit more in our face. Uh, but we want this kind of physical representation of God so that then we can predict how God's going to act. And maybe it's a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more understandable versus actually trusting and relying on faith. And And I feel sorry for this individual because I think clearly from his statement, he keeps talking about how no one talks about this and no one talks about that. And yeah. He might be in a different circle than I am, but all these topics I've heard uh, talked about quite often, and it's yeah, something that—that's one of the things which I didn't get. He's like, no one talks about this. I was like, actually, kind of people do talk about this. And, and I wonder if maybe that was the issue. Is he was having some very legit? And this is the other thing. This conversation is not to de, um, devalue his feelings or his worries. Um, and I think many people are dealing with a crisis of faith and. That does just because you're having a crisis or maybe some trouble uh, feeling like you're trusting God doesn't automatically mean like you're outside of the church. Those can be real emotions that you can talk to a minister about. Um, but to come then to the conclusion, oh, nobody talks about it, therefore this is all kind of foolishness and I get to walk away. I, I wonder if he didn't have a real, even though he was part of Hillsong and part of a quite a large church community, local church community, I wonder if he didn't have access actually to a real faith community, a real. Um, a group of people that could answer these questions for him, that can could assure him and walk with him through this valley. Um, because it, I think if he had talked to his pastor or some other Christian friends, he may have found some answers to these questions that he was asking. Uh, yeah. So I just, I, I hurt for him, and, and I hurt for those that are hurting because of him. But yeah, there, there does seem to be this over-reliance, to go back to our initial question, there seems to be an over-reliance on other faith leaders or other leaders or to, to give us that assurance, yeah, or celebrities, to give us that assurance or to give us that kind of comfort of, yeah. of knowing that we're okay. Yeah. Hey, go ahead, Pastor Mike. I would just like to say, you know, in, in uh, some of Paul's writings, he talks about those who say they were baptized by Apollos, some by him, and, and, you know, and so, you know, that's been a place where, you know, we follow Christ Jesus. We shouldn't follow celebrities or, or, or follow a pastor um, and, you know, you see that often when, when a pastor, you know, uh, there are people, they fall. But uh, the whole thing about, you know, a, uh, following a, 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 an ideology or a, um, you know, a, a, uh, a song group or, or worship minister, uh, those things are not what we're called to follow. We're called to follow Christ Jesus. And, that, and though we need leaders in those yeah. areas, I think the, the uh, downfall is to raise them up. Um, and I think Paul addresses that. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. We're not supposed to follow any particular person. Anthony, what did you have on this before we move along? Um, in the show prep, I was pretty harsh on this guy. And uh, I probably will be later on in the course of this episode anyways. But on the flip side, there is something that I've just noticed that is actually sort of true about what he's saying. Whenever he says, you know, this is sort of a soapbox moment. How many preachers fall? No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God send so many people to hell? No one talks about it. 
I think actually what's happening here is pretty interesting. Um, most of the time, especially those of us who have been spending time in training and stuff like that for preparation and ministry, we see this and we're like, okay, this is just sort of ridiculous and it's mostly based out of emotion, which is true. This post is clearly an emotional post. But on the flip side of it, um, I think there's a reason why he's under the assumption that no one talks about these things. I think for the most part, he may actually be uh, correct in well, just may... that there's a very, very superficial side of Christianity that yeah. people can spend their entire Christian lives. And never talk about it. And yeah. never talk about things like who goes to hell and who doesn't. And what's yeah. the precise number on that anyways? Because apparently he believes it's going to be four, four billion. I don't, yeah, I, don't know where, I don't know where well, I think it's just uh, hyperbole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to Anthony's point, I think what he's telling is is his circles don't talk about it. Yes. The circles around this culture, which, again, it is kind of the face of Protestant evangelical Christianity, it doesn't do that. And what makes me so frustrated is there's a tons of laity. There are tons of, of based Christians who want to talk about these things, but they never really get invited to the table. I mean, you have to be on a podcast kind of like this to talk about these things because you're not going to be invited to be um, a speaker at a university. You're not going to be invited to um, lead worship at a university. You're not going to be invited even on a district level to help lead a worship thing unless you are of that image, that mood, that tone, that attitude. Well, let's go on for time purposes. I want to get past our rebuttal real quick. Uh, we already talked about the ministers leaving the faith. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. That probably comes from you haven't had a good understanding of science or religion. Um, show me what you're talking about. Um, because oftentimes, it just again, this is just bad expectations of things. Um, contradictions in the Bible. Again, probably never been taught that Scripture is not the fourth person of the Trinity. Um, and, and I hate to have to say that, but Scripture, it's not... We don't have a what do you call it, Anthony? The tetrinity. Yeah, the te- the, te- the tetranity, as I like to joke about. Um, well, I mean, just to go along with what you're saying, you know, sort of the um, the fourth article of faith that we have is that Scripture is uh, inerrant in revealing all things regarding um, God's will concerning salvation. So. Yeah, and Scripture is dynamic. It has a variety of different styles and roles within it. People know this. You open up the Bible. The, a letter of Paul is going to be different from a gospel in writing style. The story of Moses in Exodus is very different from a proverb or a psalm. You find things which are genealogies, totally different writing style than, than something you may find in the book of Revelation. You find a lot of different things. Scripture is a product of the Word of God, but the Word of God is not limited to Scripture. And the Word of God actually is the second person of the Trinity. Christ Jesus is the Word of God manifest. And we find this clearly detailed in the Gospel of John. Um, Pastor Mike, I know that you had mentioned in the show prep this whole idea about miracles. He says people don't talk about miracles. And you kind of rejected that whole statement just based on the premise of it. Well, absolutely. I think if we look even at Scripture or, or miracles or whatever, you know, we are the Scriptures are, are inspired writings uh, that that it's not a science book, but it reveals us uh, how to live in right relatedness, and uh, it contains the things necessary for salvation. And it's not just about heaven and hell, but it is about um, the kingdom of God and serving the king and a role and purpose in this world to reflect the image of God. And so um, 
how many, you know, we're not following, we're not seeking, but faith is based on the purpose of being the image of God that we were called to be yeah. uh, and be a blessing in this world. Well, and I, that is a much more, uh, that is so much more purposeful than just saying I'm going to be saved uh, to go to heaven or, or, you know, someone else is going to hell or, or, or whoever, well, however you want to do that. But we're saved for the purpose of being God's, um, you know, image in this in this world that we live in sure be a blessing sure and one of the statements you had made in show prep pastor mike is this whole idea that our salvation is not based on how many miracles happen around us Um, no and and it's it's kind of absurd to think that it is and then to this duality of heaven and hell you know part of orthodox thinking in christianity and orthodox it means straight straight revelation the correct way of understanding is that you know the default way of living and fallen creation is the way of death. Um, scripture pretty clearly tells us that Christ doesn't come to condemn because the world is already condemning itself. You look even in the Old Testament, go all the way back to Genesis, you can find again, God comes to the to Noah with the flood, not because God just wants to arbitrarily punish people, but because the world is already dying. You get that whole sentence there that all of humanity's mind is continually thinking on sin. It's this idea that is con- that. Humanity will entertain nothing other than sin, and the product of sin is death and decay, this eternal dissolving and damnation. And God says, the world is dying. I have to do something. I have to send a life raft. I have to send an ark. So Christianity is not about arbitrarily sending 4 billion people. Um, And before we get into the what led up to this of this, I don't want to make the argument that there's no true Scotsman. You know, he wasn't ever really a Christian. But I think this is an indicative of a scenario where there was no firm theology. Would y'all kind of agree with that, Anthony? Yeah, totally. I think that's shown in what it is that um, he says people talk about. You know, I think that the fact that nobody in his circles is concerned with talking about the preachers who fall. Yeah, that's pretty uh, indicative that you're not really stressing the important theological notions in Christianity and you're only focusing on how it feels in the good moments. And how it feels in the good moments is going to be whenever the preachers are not, you know, you don't see preachers falling and things like that. And the minute you start to focus on the preachers who are falling, it's like, well, hmm, maybe there's a consistency here. Maybe all the preachers who are falling don't actually have all that strong of a theological basis, and we could have predicted it beforehand. Yeah, and this is indicative, this whole scenario of someone living a version of Christianity that really is not different from the other gods and idols of the world. And it's just engaged in something which is branded by the holy triune God, Um, even though I don't know that they could say something like holy triune God. Not here to beat up on that, though. All right, so one of the things I think about this, and let's talk about what led up to this. And I think he had some true confession in here. He said, you know, people find help from other things than just this one version of God. And that direct quote, one version of God, I think he's actually being brutally honest about us. And I think there's a lot of truth in that statement in examining what happened here. Because what I think happened is, and this is definitely true in the the music culture side of the church, is the church is often offering one version of something that can be found elsewhere. It's branded as the Christian God And while it has a lot of people seriously convicted to it, and again, I'm not here to beat up on people that may like Hillsong or anything like that, so please, I know that we're all primed to get mad and say, oh, he's he's mad at Hillsong, so I've got to leave. Please stay with us. But we find things branded as the Christian God, but they lack the unique attributes that make the church special. 
Again, they set up things where the church is just another social club. It's just another self-help group. It's just another place to get handouts. It's just another social service institution, just another genre of music, just another place to be accepted, just another place to be tolerated. But this is not what it means to be the church. The church must offer something that the world cannot offer, that the world can only imitate at best. That is what the church is called to be. I know I just gave you that list of all the things the church shouldn't do, but I know, Pastor Amanda, you had talked about how these are things the church can do. Would you just pick up on that a little bit? Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, we definitely don't discount the idea that in a church that the, it is a social setting, uh, that there must be social interaction to be a body of Christ. You have to kind of connect with other parts of the body. Um, it is a place where you can find help and aid. It's a place where, where social services can happen. Churches do help in yep. quite wonderful ways and holistic ways if, if they are truly being uh, the hands and feet. It, it's very holistic in how they take care of um, people around them. There is music and genres of music involved. It is a place to feel accepted. Yeah. Um, hopefully no one just feels tolerated. Maybe that's because I have a slightly different definition of tolerated. But maybe hopefully people who actually feel genuinely loved. Um, but there's this movement that if you are to be a part of the body, you do not act as the world acts. And so this idea of acceptance and tolerance is also connected with the idea of transformation and being yeah. a conformed uh, to not the pattern of the world, but to the image that God has created you to be. And so, again, we see these elements inside the church. And I wonder if what happened if in sometimes I think that happens in a lot of churches and a lot of different faith communities is we take one of these elements, especially the elements we really like. And instead of saying this is a part of the church, we say this is the church. This is yeah. the whole existence and being and essence of the church is found in this one little thing. And again, this is where we go back to where Paul writes um, and he talks about that the, the body of Christ is made of all these different pieces and, and everyone has a different calling and a different job and occupation, uh, but we do not find our faith and our trust and our salvation in these things, in these parts or in these occupations or callings, uh, but we find it in the, the one head, the one faith, the one baptism, uh, the one God. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head, and I'm just going to reword some of what you said, is they confuse what the church does with what the church is. And that, that's a real big problem because a lot of these things can be done in a godly manner, but they must have their foundation in God, must be centered around God. Right. Anthony? Um, I was just going to say, uh, sort of building off of what Amanda said, in our articles of, actually not in our articles of faith, in our manual, we had this idea that the church is a historical reality. And I think that's a really, actually that is part of the um, article. But anyways, uh, we had this idea that the church is a, is a historical reality, and I like that a lot because it is explaining the fact that God's kingdom is manifesting in real time on earth. And, and across that, time. And across time. Yeah. And what that means is is that maybe there might be different styles of music. Maybe we will be speaking a different language across different parts of time and in different places on the earth. You know, But at the same time, it is still the kingdom of God that we yeah. are striving to be. And so um, I think, yeah, like there are things that matter, like the type of music and all that stuff, but they definitely don't matter nearly as much as those attributes which are essential to the oh, kingdom absolutely. of God. And people find yeah. themselves being more concerned with the history that they're in than with the church that's in that history. Yeah, and, and to your point, Anthony, we've given way too much power to music in the church. 
just way, way too much power. Pastor mm-hmm. Mike, did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, I just want to say, you know, we don't worship miracles, but miracles do exist, and God is still the God of miracles. In fact, we are the most pitied of all if we don't believe in the miracle of the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And furthermore, I look for the hope in the miracle. Uh, that one day. I don't have to have a miracle every day in my life. And, and you know, the next miracle that I uh, witness may be the resurrection of myself. And I pray to God, but that is that is the hope. So we don't worship miracles. We don't worship, you know, uh, the music or the style or anything like that. But it still is music. Of, it is a part of our worship. And so I think when things get out of place is when we lose hope. And it sounds like um, I don't know if something's got out of place or whatever. Obviously, something has, um, and and I can't put my finger on it right now because I don't know him well enough to say that. But things have got out of place, and he's lost hope. And yeah. when you lose faith, you lose that hope as well. Well, to losing hope, one of the things which really bothers me, and again, I don't mean to just be someone who's being neg- negative, but I really can't stand the modern Christian art. I don't like the modern Christian aesthetic, the tone, the mood, because it's not aspirational. A lot of times it's more desperate. It's kind of wallowing in a place as opposed to reaching up saying we must be holy. We must be sanctified. We must move throughout the excellence which God has called us to. We don't just kind of reduce everything down to its basic, most primal feeling or sensation. And one of the problems, and kind of all of us have alluded to this, is that when the church ceases to be set apart as bestowing God's grace and it just becomes dependent upon our own personal interests, that's when the church ceases to be the church. When we look at a lot of things which go on in popular Christian culture, and again, I'm not here to beat up on any anybody in the church, but just the culture itself as a whole, which even I have to partake in, um, God cannot be reduced to a feeling or sensation. And if... God is reduced to a feeling or sensation, then the church has lost its way. God then becomes a figment, and not even a figment of aspiration, of imagination or anything that would be aspirational looking up, but God then just becomes a figment of feeling. And when God becomes a figment of feeling, then the church is not the church anymore. It's just another version of God out in the world. It's not holy, it's not derived from God, but from mankind. And just as this man said in his post, it's just another version of God. And he's he's being honest when saying that. That's actually the worldview that a lot of kind of is brought here because there's nothing unique being given that says the church is set apart. Nothing in the world can do this. The world can imitate it. The world can have idols, other gods, lowercase g, all that stuff, but it can't actually get there. Well, I would like to say, you know, it also, uh, I think in the one of the last statements you read, you know, you never, I don't live my life for others. Um, you know, and I guess he's trying to be transparent there, and I don't want to pull that totally out of context, but one of the definitions we have for love is seeking the best for the other without any benefit to ourselves. Yeah. And so I'm not sure what slippery slope, and I don't want to take that totally out of context. I would probably need more information, but, you know, we do have purpose, and, and we should love ourselves, um, you know, in, a, in a, a, a correct way. God calls us to love ourselves, but he also calls us to love others and to care for others. And also, you know, we we don't live our lives for just ourselves, but we live it for God who lived his life and gave it for others. Absolutely. And so I think I think there's something there for us as the church that we we need to realize that we do live our lives for the sake of others to be blessed and to to come to know Christ Jesus as the Lord and Savior, the resurrected miracle working Lord and Savior. Well, yeah, and, and I, go ahead, Amanda. 
Well, I'm wondering if that statement is particularly to you since he was part of such a public um, uh, group and atmosphere that he was feeling like his faith was reliant on publicity, on the yeah. public. And so mm -hmm. he's trying to say, you know, and again, I just, I, I'm wondering if he did not have the proper support group or structure around him that when he was burnt out, when he was exhausted and tired, and, and I can say, you know, as a minister, as a pastor's kid and growing up and talking to other pastor's kid, we got to see sometimes the darkest and dirtiest parts of the church and the, 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 the holiest person on Sunday was, was not that on Monday. And so they, they, I wonder if those things came into his life and as he saw and looked around his world, nobody was there to kind of pull him out of the darkness and show him um, some solid ground, some, as we've been talking about, a firm foundation and what the church should be built on. And I'm not trying to put all the blame on other people um, and try to absolve him of blame, but I, I think... He he's like you said he's being very truthful and honest. He looked around and said, yeah. "All I'm doing is being a public figure. All I'm yep. doing is being a celebrity." And there has to be something more than this. And sadly, the more than this that he found was by leaving the church. And we can only hope that he can find a firmer foundation in who God really is, and and not in what uh, pop culture, pop Christianity says. Yeah, and again, the church must be set apart and. A lot of pop Christianity is less concerned with being set apart than it is being smooth and frictionless with its nature or neighbors. Um, we do find so many times in pop Christian culture that the popular Christian culture, it likes to be easy to fit in with secular culture. It likes to reduce the friction, be a nice, smooth, cool neighbor where the music's fun. It looks like a coffee shop. Come on in. Um, it looks a lot like the rest of the world, and it's not being set apart for God's grace. And in the church... One of the big problems that we have, which is even larger than just the aesthetic, is that Christians are often primed to be upset with one another over mild disagreements. Again, somebody criticizes music, people get mad, they get crying mad over this. Like, people can get so frustrated. And really, their understanding of the nature of God is, de is attached to a culture that is not rich enough to carry people through the dark times, to answer the difficult questions, to, to go through the worst moments in life. And we have to have people being loyal to the church, loyal to the gospel, and understand that that doesn't always reflect the world. It's not just another God out there. It's offering something that the world cannot. And Well, it's no, no uh, different than what we read in our scriptures when we see God's people yeah. grumbling among themselves and complaining. It never builds up um, you know, the, the world around us when we do that. Yeah. And, you know, that, that is one of, you know, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy for sure. Yeah, sure. And so, you know, that's that, you know, what we're saying here, I think the best thing for us to do is try to address some of the things he says, because I'm definitely not beating up on him. I'm like Pastor Amanda. The pressure and the, the world that he lived in was probably uh, a, a tremendous burden at times, even though everybody thinks, oh, you're in the limelight, everything's great, you write songs, you sing songs. Um, but, you know, yeah. really and truly, there's a lot of pressure in oh, that sure. area, I would imagine. And there's a lot of temptation. And uh, so, you know, I think for, for us to, to realize that... Um, um, you know, we just have to to stay focused, but don't let us. And when I say us, everybody, all Christians, not to be people who are grumbling. And we yeah. should be talking about these issues, but we shouldn't be grumbling and beating one another up um, and causing division. Yeah. And let's move to a, a section where what have we learned from this? And I really do want us to have a point where we can come together and be coherent as a body 
that is ready to to last for throughout the the shifts that are happening here in Western civilization. And one of the things which you can kind of see as another symptom of an unhealthy culture, and we can see it in this, and we we can learn this from this moment, is what are people's expectations of the church? His expectations weren't of answering the serious questions. That's kind of where he was at. His expectations of the church couldn't do this, and he's probably being pretty honest about that. I assume that he is. And even from where I'm at as a pastor, usually when I meet other Christians and people hear that I'm a pastor, they usually ask me one of two questions about my church. And actually, they these aren't even the denomination usually initially, unless I have a clergy collar on. If I'm wearing a collar that day, they'll usually ask me the denomination um, or if I'm Catholic. But usually people ask, how many people at your church and what programs does your church have? You don't hear a lot of questions like, how close is your church to the Apostles' Creed? How orthodox is your theology? Are people transformed out of sin? Are people being healed to Christ-likeness? Are people being reconciled to their maker and finding the joy unspeakable that can only come from Christ and then carry them through the darkest valleys of life? You don't find a lot of language like liberty, orthodoxy, holiness, sanctification, a lot of the church-specific language when people ask questions about the church because our standards, a lot of times in Christian culture, they're no longer aspirational, reaching up, doing something unique from the world, but they've kind of adopted the earthly worldly language and have kind of low more desperate standards than aspirational standards Anthony? i mean even if you find even if you if they would uh be one which used more um common and even scriptural language you know holiness you can see plenty of holiness christ likeness you can see plenty of that in uh scripture but even you know discipleship things of that nature um people don't ask about that people yep. don't say you know how is the how are you discipling people in your yeah. church? I mean, everybody knows that um, the Great Commission, at least most everybody knows, that the Great Commission is to make disciples of all nations. And yeah. so, you know, that's a pretty big charge on the church. And it could definitely stand to be one of the most important questions that you could ask before joining any church or visiting yeah. any church yeah. is whether or not they're focused on making disciples. And, you know, those that is not one of the most frequently asked questions. It is, how big is your church? Um, what sort of programs do you do there? And what also, sort of if you're wearing a clergy collar, are you Catholic? Yep. Um, so, you know, that's, that is a, um, a sad thing. It is a sad thing because we have to have aspirations and not just be desperate. And I'm not here to put blame on Christians who find joy in music. If I put blame on anyone in this situation, which I'm really not, but I kind of am on the culture, it's the leadership side of, of Christian culture which has facilitated a worldview that's not uniquely set apart for bestowing God's grace. You go to a university, you find like a worship arts program, you find what they're going to be doing in things like chapel. I can pretty much tell you it's probably going to be something closer to a Hillsong concert than it is going to be, you know, some sort of ancient form of worship which has been practiced for 2,000 years. It's going to be contingent largely on this sort of mentality. It's going to sound like it. It's going to look like it. It's going to have the lights, the hands in the hair, the whole package. But the church needs something stronger than that with a firmer backbone, with better language, with better theology that is clearly set apart. Anthony. Um, well, just to sort of build off of what you said, uh, a lot of what we will see in uh, university settings and even Christian concerts and all that sort of thing is focused on sensation rather than spiritual development. It's not focused 
on building your faith and love of God and educating you in the yeah. ways which are righteous. More, more frequently, things like, you know, chapel at uh, the school that I attend, Trevecca Nazarene University, several other universities, I'm sure, um, the worship programs there. Most of the time, what we get from that is very, very directly oriented towards sensation. There are lights. Um, we like to joke around whenever s some of the religion majors with me, we like to joke around and say that we're heading to the club um, whenever yeah. we go to chapel, but just you know, because there's all these raving lights everywhere and the, the, the music that one might dance to and the other way things. That it's hilarious, honestly. The Babylon Bee parodies Christian culture is spot on. You know, somebody um, in the middle of a drug trip figures out they're in a, a Christian worship part of a, <laughs> a worship program somewhere. They find out that, and it's like, well, yeah, they look um, similar. We, we live in a, a day and age where, look, the culture is getting increasingly hostile to Christianity. Um, it's not at all like it's portrayed on the news or social media, just not. But our culture is unhealthy, and it's going in an unhealthy direction. And the church needs a firmer backbone than what we have on the forefront of our, our Christian culture now. We need something better out there being our art, our aesthetic, than what we have now. It needs to be stronger. It needs to be more assured and it's and it's calling. It needs to know the gospel a little better. It needs to know exactly who we are, how we live that out, how we be a holy people set apart to bestow God's grace. And even if the culture around us hates us, wants to take us to the amphitheater, fine, so be it. But we must be loyal to the gospel above all. Well, I will say, um, understanding is not salvation. But on the flip side of that, uh, you know, we need an aesthetic and worship which yeah. is about our faith in God and building off of that rather than how we feel about it. Yeah, it, yeah. less first-person programs and more looking towards God. All right, we have some scripture that I'd like to read before we close, and then I'll, I'll read this, and then I'll have some final thoughts, and then Anthony will close us out. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 27, and this is from Jesus. There he comes to the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine in his house, on, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, for it was great its fall. So we've read this scripture. And again, just branding yourself with God does not actually take you where you need to go. And again, this is taking the Lord's name in vain. A lot of times we reduce taking the Lord's name in vain to like a specific use of language that's kind of blasphemous. But really taking the Lord's name as vain is when you brand something as God that is not of God. You, you say something is, is, is Christian when it's not. You say something is Christian conviction when it's not. And that's really taking the Lord's name in vain. And Jesus is addressing that here. In conclusion, I, my heart breaks for this guy. Um, my heart breaks for people who are going to be crushed by this. I do think it 
should put us in a place where we seriously think about having theologians write music rather than songwriters write music. I think there's a big difference between those two. And we should also realize that our faith is still not contingent upon the behavior of others. Uh, final thoughts, um, Pastor Amanda. Well, I, I think to your point, um, it just, yeah, it's a serious conversation. And I think if we are dealing with doubts and frustrations with either the church or our faith or understanding our faith, um, that we do not have to journey um, in the midst of those doubts alone, um, that the questions we have does not mean that we automatically get kicked out or somehow we get ostracized, uh, but that we should come to our family, and that is the family of God, and ask them to help to uplift us, to encourage us, to educate us, um, to support us in a way that where we can journey through this valley and find ourselves um, on the other side of it. And so if we hear anything, I think in the midst of this man's story and, and through his journey, is to hear the call of the church to gather around uh, one another and to hold each other accountable and accountable to the standards uh, that God is calling us to, not to the standards of the world. Pastor Mike? I would just like to say, you know, I am, uh, well, I'll just be honest. I, I love the atmosphere that lights and fog machines create, uh, but th that is not the the enemy here. And neither is the, this individual uh, that, that has, has denounced his faith. The enemy is that, we, you know, is when we get theologically sidetracked in yes. leadership roles in the church yes. or even in any, any area. Theologically, we need to be sound and realize that God can work in 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 many atmospheres, um, whether it be you know lights, whether it be different genres of music. But the the key is it needs to be theologically sound, and um, we also re need to realize that uh, uh, that that it doesn't matter if it's a small congregation or a large congregation. There is one church. And whether it be in programs or, you know, small group studies, large group studies, God is at work. And let us have faith in that. Um, and, and, you know, it is. It's a healthy understanding of, of um, the purpose and the calling that we have as people of God. And you're exactly right, Pastor Mike. There's a difference between what the church does and is. Again, I'm not opposed to, you know, different styles of music. I'm not opposed to different looks within things, within reason, of course. But when you start saying that is the church rather than just how the church may appear in that particular setting, that's where the problems come. When you start confusing yeah. what it does and with what it is. Anthony, well, any final and, thoughts? And I just want yeah. to say, too, that I think in, in the context of this, it, our conversation can very much be taken in that we are attacking that style. That is not the style that we're, we're attacking. The style that that is that, and I'm, I don't think there's an attack here at all. It's more or less a proclamation that says we must be theologically healthy, yeah. and the church is uh, can work in different atmospheres when God's spirit is upon us. Anthony, um, Pastor Mike said that we are not attacking that style, and I totally agree. Uh, I actually don't have that much of a problem with it. Although I will say for Whenever I'm speaking for myself, I, I may not be speaking for the whole team here at Kingdom of the Logos. But just for me speaking for myself, um, I would say that I would attack the importance that we place on style. Um, Christians frequently place way too much value and yeah. importance on style. I remember yeah. uh, things, for instance, in like youth group, kids would always complain whenever we got back that the worship at church wasn't like the worship at the big concerts and church camps we went, we went to and all that stuff. And 
all those sorts of things made it really extremely cheap for me to share in fellowship with them and to go on those trips with them because half the time it wasn't about God. It wasn't about what we were doing for other people. It was about how it felt and the style we did it in. Yeah, you know? and you find and this with emphasis on like, you know, debrief. How did you feel? What did it do for you? Um, my final thought is, well, Anthony, are you good? Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, I think that my thoughts were pretty much concluded. I just, uh, it is a huge cheapening thing to focus so much on the style so that's about it well that that's basically what i was going to say when when style becomes what the church is rather than something it, it does as a byproduct then we've really messed up anthony why don't you clean close us out with a prayer a lot of times we say we send thoughts and prayers but i actually we we do send thoughts and prayers and let's actually make good on that and close in a prayer um would you do that for us anthony And uh, I just want to say I took a lot of time uh, trying to prepare this prayer. Um, So it's not a spontaneous one, but it's one that I hope uh, reaches the heart of the situation and is pleasing to God. So I will be reading it as I've written it. Heavenly Father, we know that there is rejoicing in heaven for every person who turns their heart to you. And we know that there is weeping for the apostates. Father, we Father, rather, forgive us our sins and visit those who have turned their hearts from you. May the church be one that lives by faith in you. May the church be one which prepares the disciples of your Son for the hardships of the world. And may the church ever look forward to your continual ordering and blessing of creation. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this, and thanks for sticking around with us. God bless, and have a good day.